doing the hard thing in a sin-laden world is doing the right thing, and it's going to bring pain. Yeah. But it's, it's, the, it's the wise restraints that make you free. You apply restraints towards evil in order to pursue excellence. Hey, friends. Welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Victor Mark Show. I've got my dear friend, I love it when I have friends on, but this is a good friend, brother, fellow warrior. We're talking about Pastor Rob McCoy, and uh, welcome to the program. Thanks, Victor. You call me a warrior. I, I don't know if I can disarm somebody as quick as you. I don't. I don't know that I. I think oh, spiritually, maybe. No. A little party trick I use to make extra yeah. money on the side. Yeah, it works well. Smoke Scares and, me. Smoke and mirrors. That's yeah, it. No. I've hey. seen you do it. <laughs> well, hey, uh, speaking of warrior, let's just get personal. What's up with the guns, man? Uh, I, I'm watching stuff online. Now you're wearing this black T-shirt. It's kind of intimidating. Uh, okay. Come on. All right. What's going yeah. on? Yeah, me intimidate Victor Marks. Uh, in our studio is our workout room. I just worked out. See? I, I did it. So, yeah. But, hey. I, I, I'm I, sweating. <laughs> Not because I'm scared of you or nervous. I'm just, I worked out. Well, I am scared and nervous of you, but I, I worked out. So, I, I, so how old are you now? Uh, aren't, fit, we, aren't we the same age? 58. Okay. Yeah, my next birthday is 58. I just yeah, want you to preserve better. Uh, Iraqi sun has been hard on me, but <laughs> I, I will continue waxing and Botox. Um, yeah, and formaldehyde baths yeah. really help. Yeah. So uh, why? Well, this is just this is just a word of encouragement to younger yeah. men, and and I'm commending you. You do take care of yourself physically, and folks, this is just a little side note. I'm taking a squirrel trail right, you know, rabbit trail right here, but. Why, why are you staying in such good shape? Well, I, it's kind of you to say that. I, I wasn't always, you know, in good shape. Well, round is a shape, and I, I was very round. <laughs> uh, you know, when, when you're, especially when I was running for office, you're, you're eating all the time, you're sedentary, you're, you're moving a bit, quite a bit, but, you know, there's always somebody feeding you something. And um, the, the older I was getting, the more I was hurting. You know, I, I hurt in places I didn't even know I had. Right. Right. And, um, and, and, you know, my wife has always been real health conscious. Yeah. And, you know, she's never nagged me or pushed me to do anything. But just observing how she processes life, she, she, she doesn't grow old. She gets younger and prettier. And I'm like... I married I gotta, one of those. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I figure I just I got to do something. So um, I, we, we built the gym here right back there. And all the young guys are all lifting. And so I'm trying to keep up with them. But it's pretty rough. Well, yeah. you, uh, no, I I get it, but you're doing the deal, and thank God for wives like we have. Uh, uh, but you were a serious athlete in your younger days. Tell us about that. Uh, well, yeah, I, I was I, serious. I, I I made the senior nationals for swimming. Wow, I was I was an all American in water polo. Um, went to the Harvard of the San Joaquin Valley, Fresno State. I, I swam and played water polo there on scholarship. I went to Tulane University, but I, I kind of flunked out. Yeah, maybe for the I, better. You, you, you had someone impact your life in a big way as a coach, didn't you? And I, I want people to hear this because our life is shaped by, some people say role models. I'd, I'd rather say real models, people who've lived it, not can just talk it, right? Amen. Yeah, uh, when I was a, a teenager, uh, and I, I really was rudderless, my brother uh, was older, nine years older than me, and he had started swimming uh, for the Coronado Navy Swim Association. Mm. And the coach's name was Mike Troy. Uh, I didn't know who he was. And, you know, I was an okay swimmer because we lived, you know, in Coronado, and I'd go surfing, I'd be at the beach. So we started going to practice, and I, I came to move up, um, you know, in lanes, and you end up with the head coach, and it was Mike Troy. Come to find out he was a gold medal, uh, three-time gold medal winner, Wow. Uh, broke his own world record, I think, eight times, 200-meter wow. butterfly. And he was a Navy SEAL. 
I think he had two tours of Vietnam, and on his third tour, he opted to stay back because so many there was such a huge death rate that um, he he wanted to train the the new seals, mm. and uh, they, they he's still revered as one of the most brutal uh, instructors in the teams, and he's since passed away. But um, he was the hardest human being I've ever worked under. He he just he was relentless. Well, uh, but could yeah. you sense that, um, you know, could, could you sense there was this odd masculine he-man push of, of love at the core of everything? Absolutely. That's a great way to describe it. He, um, I'll give you an example, um, t- two examples. One is it was a morning practice, and I hadn't, I hadn't missed a practice uh, all, all year, uh, perfect attendance. Wow. And the water was cold because the heater was broken the night before, and we got there early. And he decided to do 200-yard butterflies on an interval that was five seconds slower than my fastest time. Holy and that's an interval. So even if you do your best time, you get five seconds of rest, and you have to go again. Ugh. And he said, you're not, getting out of, you're not leaving practice until you get, I think it was eight, six or eight of these 200-yard butterflies. And, and I, I remember, because uh, practice went from five to seven every morning. And we're getting past seven. My dad is out there waiting to pick me up. And he was a Navy captain. He's walking over. And, oh, boy. And uh, Mike Troy was a commander in the SEAL teams. And so he, and he said, Captain, um, I'm going to need Rob a little bit longer today. Um, and he goes, okay, Mike. And, and he just, I'm like, he's abusing me. What are you doing? Come back, Dad. You know, this guy. <laughs> my dad takes off. And, and I, I stayed there till 1130 in the morning. Um, and I wow. went through every emotional thing yeah. you can imagine. Uh, like, I'll never get out of here, you know, please, pleading. And then finally, just finding whatever it was I needed to get that last one done. And he looked at me and he said, Rob, you learned two things today. You're never as tired as you think you are. Mm. And you're never as weak as you think you are. We'll see you tonight. And he didn't relent in the evening practice either. So that was, Gosh. That was the first one. And the second one was... Um, I. He, I had become a minister, and Mike was kind of a wayward Catholic, and um, he loved St. Patrick's Day and all that. He was from Indiana. So he, 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 I, I sent him a letter because my son uh, becomes an Eagle Scout, and it's his court of honor, and I wow. wanted Mike to come. Wow. And I, I, I did a snowball's chance in hell he'd come, but he said, yeah, I'd love to come. He was in Arizona, so he comes right over because he was doing the gold medal swim school. And we reconnect, and he stays for the event Saturday, and then stays Sunday to come to church and hear me preach, which is wow. like shocking, yeah. Yeah. And um, I make the mistake of giving him the microphone. Uh oh. <laughs> and he gets, yeah, he gets in front of the congregation, and he, you know, I'm thinking, well, you know, Rob, Rob wasn't my most talented swimmer, and I'm like, you, what? <laughs> come on, man. All American, yeah. broke all the record. I mean, come on. Yeah. And he said. But what he lacked in talent, he made up for in tenacity. Wow. I'll take and I thought, that. okay, yeah, backhanded compliment. Well, fast forward his funeral. We're at his memorial service. His wife is born again. She's a sweet lady. Mm. And her name's Nancy. And she, she wanted me to say something. I said, Nancy, I'm not on the docket. She didn't know I was coming. And uh, every person who spoke, and a lot of them were gold medal winners, two silver yeah. medal winners. Oh, yeah. uh, they were speaking at this. And, and each one said, you know, Mike told me one time I wasn't his most talented swimmer. But what I lacked in talent, I made up for in tenacity. And it was an epiphany for all of us in the room wow. at that moment that he didn't teach us to be good swimmers. He taught us how to, how to be human being life and to succeed. And I, 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 there's, there's one thing that they found as a common denominator for seals that succeed because the attrition rate's so high in, in buds, basic underwater training. And, and it is that you either had Mike Troy or Randy Burgess as your coach. Mm. And if you did, um, and go. you got into the BUDS training, uh, they had a 100% success rate. Yeah. That's, that's the only common denominator they found. So wow. I, I never tried out for the SEALs. <laughs> well. Because I would have ruined that Well, percentage. no, you, you know, it, I mean, what I'm hearing about is, is a legend training a young man uh, in, in the most important aspect of resiliency yeah. and tenacity, which a lot of young men lack these days. Uh, and stuff like this only comes, in my opinion, uh, because I've spoken resiliency a number of times. It's through hardship. It's yeah. not 
you know, you don't learn to endure unless there's an element of suffering. Have you read the, the book by Paul Brand and Philip Yancey called uh, Pain is a Gift from God? I have not read it, it all of it, but, but it, so this book by Yancey, and it's a gift of... Yeah, the, the Gift of Pain. Yeah. yeah, it's by it's yep. by Dr. Paul Brand and Philip Yancey. Dr. Yeah. Paul Brand was, uh, I think, knighted by the Queen. Um, he he was the foremost doctor specialist with for Hansen's disease, which mm. is leprosy. Mm. Um, and he said, the one thing I wish for my patients is that they had the gift of pain, because their limbs didn't fall off and their fingers right. and and the like didn't fall off because of the disease. It was a result of them not having the ability to feel, so they would pick up you know, burning hot coals or they'd walk on a broken ankle and not know it and gangrene would set in because they couldn't feel pain because Hansen's disease takes away the pain sensors. And he says, pain is a gift from God in a fallen world to show us that something's wrong. Mm. And, and, you know, even Jesus went the Via Dolorosa, the way of pain. Sin is wrong. And and doing the hard thing in a sin-laden world is doing the right thing and it's going to bring pain yeah but it's it's the it's the wise restraints that make you free you apply restraints towards evil in order to pursue excellence but it's going to require discipline and discipline is exactly that it's like it, it's going to be hard yeah. but you got to do it yeah it's uh I'm, I'm blessed to be able to work out with my bride consistently when we're in country or home and then out on the road but i you know I can remember waking up or we're in some, somewhere and she pulled out a deck of cards and she throws, she flip it down and there's a 10. She'll do 10 push-ups. <laughs> flip it, there's a deuce, she'll do two push-ups until so she does a deck of cards. And, and, and I just want the younger generation to know that always seeking comfort and... Um, Ease isn't necessarily the best way of life. We try to make our decisions, you know, because you, you can go, Lord, I want to make all decisions based on you. But we have a, we have a couple of few guidelines. Is we, we don't want to make a decision based on ease, yeah, comfort, uh, fear. Or you, security. Or security. It's like, ah, Lord, I just want to trust you. What do you want me to do? And these small lessons, uh, it was funny. My son was changing a flat tire, uh, you know, and then my daughter had a flat. It was like the day of flats. Yeah. A, a mutual friend of ours, Dave Eubank, uh, Dave sent me a video from Syria this morning. Okay. And, and he's like, hey, your vehicle here is still running, and it's been shot so many times. And, and he, they're laughing, and I'm laughing. And I show my kids, I go, this inconvenience of a flat tire it's just that. It's just an inconvenience. And if some of the folks are listening and watching right now would just know that trials and hardships and if you, if you, the way you, you know, words make worlds. And it's important the way you phrase things. I had somebody text me yesterday and said, me and my wife are scared. We have to go to the hospital for this. And I gently just said, I share your concern." Not, not the fear. Amen. Because God's not giving us a spirit of fear. You should be concerned. Let's use a better word. And if I think if we, as Christians, start using the word, and what an inconvenience, it, 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 puts, it helps put things in perspective. Because you learn some of the hardest lessons because the water doesn't lie, just like the mat doesn't lie. There is no, there is no manipulating water. And uh, yeah. it, it's beyond your body. The test is in your mind, right? Yeah, in swimming, you can't blame your teammates. It's an individual sport, so that, you're not relying on somebody else. It's, yeah. It's you and the clock. <laughs> so, so. Uh, well, speaking of influencing people, you are known, uh, as I was talking to a antagonist I had on the show a couple of days ago. Really? Yeah, I, I brought on uh, the new evangelical... What's, was it? Yeah, it's Tim. But what's the, uh, yeah, the new evangelicals. And he's a guy that not, he's not fond of Turning Point USA 
or Charlie Kurt, and uh, he's been pretty vocal. And he represents sure. a very large, I would say, constituents of young people in that age that have been hurt by the evangelical church. And sure. a lot of it is valid, right? No doubt, yeah. Uh, but then he swings and leans left too much. He voted for Biden. We've got political deal. And I'm like, hey, well, boy. but I have him on the program. And, you know, first I told him, don't use your high IQ on me because I know you're some college dude. But I said, hey, I want to see if you get triggered by this. And, Rob, I pulled out a bag and opened it, and I pulled out a cap with a flag on it. I said, does that does that show you? He said, no. Then I pulled out a, a shirt with Leonidas uh, with stars and stripes. He goes, well, I'm actually Greek. So that then I unzipped my jacket, and I had, a, I had body armor on with the magazines tucked in. I said, is this just key? And then I pulled out a shotgun. Are you just, he's like, actually, and we laughed. We laughed so hard. Um, and then we talked about things we agreed on. Yeah. What do we agree on? And, um, and I'll tell you, I think, yeah, I think we moved the needle a little bit as far as relationship. And he, he had a good talk with, um, some folks at turning point, but he brought your name up. Uh, cause he said, Hey, I'd, I'd love to, I said, next time you come on, let, let's visit. I'll bring somebody on and we can discuss harder things. And I said, you know, probably my favorite would be to bring Rob. Gone. He goes, oh, Rob, he goes, isn't he the pastor that affected Charlie Kirk? He's his pastor. And bro, spirit. I said, yeah, man, you do your homework. And you have been. That That's what you're really known for, uh, uh, bringing Charlie to a place of his faith. And I know you're going to parry. I, and I, all, I, yeah. But the reality is you're probably one of the most dangerous, quiet professionals I know. <laughs> In the spiritual world, brother, and well, and right. and both an influence and whatnot. So, um, how did how did you meet Charlie? How did y'all get connected? Um, well, first of all, I my wife always says, Rob, you need to say thank you when people compliment mm. you because I tended to deflect it. So right. Thank you. You're I, welcome. I, I, I don't it's, know how much of it I'm worthy of. It's well earned, all of it. All right. All right. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, and, and then I can also add, I'm rubber and you're glue. Whatever you said bounces off me, sticks to you, because <laughs> I think the world of you, Victor. Well, um, you. How did I meet Charlie? Um, it, was, it, was, uh, it was a lord. It, there's no other way to explain it. My son had come to me and said, Dad, have you ever seen this guy? And I, I hated social media right. and whatever, you know. He was giving me YouTube. And I just I, I despised my phone. Right. And uh, I, I, son, I don't really want to watch you. His name's Charlie Kirk, Dad. I really like him. And okay, that's great. So I go to a Council for National Policy meeting in uh, the desert in California, and I see Charlie when he was real young, and he was sitting on a panel with Lila Rose, and he was real tenacious, and Lila was more bridge building, and I thought, I like this guy. He's got some chutzpah. Yeah. And that was it. And I, my son said, Charlie Kirk was there, Dad? And I go, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I didn't even really know what to make of it. Then I show up at an event on a Sunday. I didn't know I was supposed to be there, and it's in Ontario, California. I drove. I get there, and it's a big event. There's like 3,000 people. And who was my assistant at the time just wasn't doing a real good job. And so I, I get there just in the nick of time. I sit on a panel with Jack Hibbs and Tim Thompson. And in the wings is Charlie Kirk waiting to be the keynote. And it's pastors and politics, and they keep wow. kicking the, the question to me because at the time I think I was either city, sitting city councilman or the mayor of the city. And um, Thousand Oaks? Yeah, a thousand oaks. Right. Okay. And I was still pastoring the church. So, and then we finish. I come down, and Charlie says, "I didn't know a guy like you existed." I go, "What's that?" And he goes, "A pastor in politics." I go, "I didn't know a guy like you existed." And he goes, "What do you mean?" I go, "You know, twenty-six-year-old, you know, just going on campus for conservative purposes and lighting it up." I, my son told me all about you, and I took a picture for my boy. And then we ended up at Liberty University together. I prayed for him, and I just sensed the Lord moving when I prayed for him. And I was asked to be the dean of the seminary at Liberty, and I turned it down. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, they, they were making an enormous mistake. Uh, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry Falwell Jr. wanted to replicate me, a pastor in politics. Right. And, and so the, the provost said, what, what's, your, what's your doctorate in? I go, yeah, I don't have one of those. Yeah. He goes, that's okay. What's your master's in? I go, yeah, I don't have one of those either. <laughs> and he goes, that's all right. The president wants you. And I said, look, if you want to replicate me, don't put me in a desk in Lynchburg. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I said, I, I, I would ruin your seminary. 
because the, the currency in academia is degrees. So I'm out. Mm. And they said, thank you. We appreciate that because myself and Vice President Lamb said, we want you to be the executive director of the Falkirk Center, which is Jerry Falwell, Charlie Kirk, oh, Falkirk. Yeah. I said, well, that's interesting. And through that, Charlie and I became very close. And a few days before we were to sign the memorandum of understanding, two of the vice presidents came up and said, because I said that there's two requirements if I'm going to take this. Number one, I'm in my pulpit every Sunday at my own expense. I want to, I'll go back to California. I'm going to be in the pulpit. Two, I finished my term of office. I don't, I'm not going to get out. We went eight months, three days before the memorandum of understanding to be signed. These two vice presidents say, uh, the, the lawyers need you to not pastor the church and you need to get out of the, your, the office you're holding. Ouch. And I go, yeah, I'm out. And I called Charlie and smartest thing I ever did because shortly after that, Jerry Falwell Jr. and his wife yeah. and the pool boy. and Yeah, it uh, all went sideways. Yeah, it all went sideways. And, and I was here with my, my congregation wow. uh, for the pandemic, scamdemic. Yep. Um, and, and contended with the, the county and the governor and... You know, it's just, God was good. And you, that's, that's how Charlie and I got knitted. Well, it's, you, you've had a huge impact on his life. And I think you and I will both agree, God's hand is upon him. Uh, yeah. You know, when I got introduced to him, I was kind of the same thing. I was like, well, you know, I don't, I'm not into the, all the, and then I started listening to him. I thought, whoa, this guy, he's, he's got something going. And yeah. then I quickly realized, and you could see it, God's hand is on his life. And whereas many, uh, you know, institutionalized churches and youth groups and youth organizations kind of failed to teach leadership and reach a lot, all of a sudden now, by God's hand and, I think, providence, Charlie's got, you know, influence in over 3,000 campuses or somewhere yeah. in the country. Yeah. And you're just like, wow. But I don't think that – I think Charlie would have been set up for failure – uh, because of a very real enemy that that was after him. And and I just, you know, publicly I want to thank you for having that influence, and you still do, to keep him grounded. I've seen his growth in just the short amount of time. I've seen I've seen his spiritual growth where I'm like, wow, Lord, this is encouraging. He's he is autodidactic. He's he is a voracious reader. If there's a topic he doesn't get, by the next morning he'll have consumed copious volumes of material pertaining to that topic and 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 be an expert on it the next day he didn't understand all the different eschatologies by the next day he had read them all and he's like um, so so i i got to come into his life in a season where there were some things he didn't know but he is uh he takes he's a sponge so he's like I, I have everything you have is there anything else left you know right. and, and and he just he just takes it and he owns it yeah. Um, but I have to say the two things that have allowed me to witness spiritual growth in him is number one, you know, the three things that bring down somebody in leadership is gold, glory, or girls, yep. um, or, or, you know, opposite sex. Um, yep. and, and I, I've traveled extensively with him, um, long days, short nights, uh, lots of pressure and intensity, and he's in his word. Um, he, he is very, very mindful of a, a, a morally yep. committed life, and um, and money doesn't phase him. He right. just it's not a big deal to him. He's so that that's number one. Number two, he is he is open to listening to everyone share, yeah. and he has this uncanny ability to glean from everyone, and and still not lose his his focus and direction, and. When he when he he didn't had never preached in a church before, so I, I go why not? He goes oh you know they don't want me. I, we're a secular five hundred one c three, and I go Charlie, that doesn't matter. You you've declared you're a secular five hundred one c three. You're not a church, but you've never compromised your Christian beliefs. You've never compromised what you believe in. You you stand toe to toe with people who disagree with you, and you do it in a civil and kind manner. Yep. That doesn't disqualify you from the pulpit. And so, I have never seen him nervous until that Sunday. He, he was shaking. Yeah. I go, Charlie, what's going on? He goes, I've never been like this. I go, why? And he goes, because he has such a respect for the pulpit. Yes. And he gets up there and it was, it was profound. And since then, 
Jack Hibbs invited me to do a Wednesday night. And when, when you get a chance to speak at Jack Hibbs' church, you've arrived. Right. The Mecca. And, yeah. And I'm like, man, my social media is going to go through the roof. And I knew I couldn't do it. I said, Jack, you know, thank you. But I got to tell you something. This last Sunday, Charlie Kirk spoke. Mm. You want him on Wednesday. Yeah. And he's like, can I listen to the, you know, was he that good? I go, Jack, he's remarkable. And that, he went and spoke that Wednesday. And that was it. That was all, that was all she wrote. I mean, he's been in every church. And Jack's had millions of views. Oh, yeah. Uh, when Charlie comes on. And they've got, it, it's just been remarkable to witness. And Jack has afforded him that, that launching pad that I, I could have never done anything like that. The same with Jurgen Matesius in, uh, at Awaken Church. Right. He opened up the doors for him. So that's Charlie. You know, yeah. he, 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 uh, he has great respect for the pulpits, and, and yet he loves God's word. Um, so, yeah, well, I, what, I guess the, the claim to fame is I, I opened up our pulpit to him, yeah. and we became friends. Well, I'll tell you, and, and you still have that influence on him that makes him feel good and accountable. Uh, I, I've told people he, he is a humble and and very high moral, high yeah. integrity guy. Very. Um, uh, you know, we were flying back from somewhere. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but we're flying back, and he he he, he comes up. And he goes, "Hey, can I can I sit next to you?" I'm all, Charlie. It's it's your plane. You can <laughs> sit anywhere. And and uh, someone was, uh, you know escorting us around for some universities but he sat down and he just said you know can i just share a few things i don't remember the purity in this guy in his heart and his love for yeah. god and his wife and how he handles things in integrity it's rare and that's why i think god has entrusted so much responsibility to him but in in regards to turning point um there's a division that i got involved in uh Come really on, because of it. you and charlie because uh, otherwise uh, my docket's full. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. And, but I thought, wow. And this is what I want to tell people about because there's a lot of people listening and watching right now that they don't know what Turning Point faith is. Sure. They maybe heard about Turning Point, a little bit about Charlie. They've seen him on. But tell us, tell, tell our audience, man, what is Turning Point faith and how can they be involved? Way to tee it up, Victor. Mm. Boom. Um, so... Turning Point USA, or TPUSA Faith, and the reason why we call it TPUSA Faith instead of Turning Point USA Faith is because now that we've gone into the spiritual realm, um, for years they didn't, uh, um, Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah never minded that Turning Point had the same name because they did two separate things, but now we've stepped into the church and out of respect for Dr. David Jeremiah, who believes that the church should be involved in the public square. Uh, we're honoring him, and in addition, we're just keeping it TPUSA faith. That's good. And and uh, so what we do is we see the church in America as the beacons of liberty, and so we want to keep them equipped to burn brightly. And so we provide biblical citizenship classes. We have the Turning Point Academy. We'll do uh, vote, help them with voter registration. We'll we'll teach them how to be poll watchers. Um, we go through a whole slew of, it's kind of like we provide churches, um, a buffet table and to each man is given a measure of faith. And so wherever they want to come in on the buffet line to be a part of it, they're welcome. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. John Randall and I, uh, we're, we're the last two guys that probably would connect because he was like the, the typical Calvary pastor, right. Brian Broderson, uh, those guys in Southern California, surfer, politics isn't a real thing I'd get involved in. Right. And now the two of us have become very good friends. And his comment, Rob, there's things you do I would never do, right. but I'm glad you're doing those. And I go, John, same thing. There's things you're doing that, that I can't do because I have to do this, and I'm so glad you're doing it. And we're all carrying a corner of the stretcher, and we find commonality to step into what I call the Ecclesia, Matthew 17, 18. Caesarea Philippi, Jesus says to his disciples, who do men say that I am? And then it, it, it's, it's Peter who says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And upon this rock, I'll build mine. Everyone says church, but that's not the word. Uh, Tyndale translated it correctly in the first English speaking Bible. And for this one word, he was hung and his remains were burned. 
He didn't translate it church. He translated ecclesia or ecclesia, which Aristotle had defined hundreds of years earlier. And really, the bottom line is, in the Greek city-state, it was the city hall. It was the public square. It's where they came wow. to to dis- decide the welfare of the city, where you know imports, exports, you know lighting, taxes, roads. Um, they would put Eleutheria and Isonomia above the the doors, which was, I think, liberty and equality. Um, and, and, and this is where they would go to decide the fate of the community in which they lived. And if God never intended us to be in politics, he would have never invented marriage. Because it's, it's like Francis Schaeffer said, how then shall we now live? So Jesus, now think about this, Matthew 16, 18, upon this rock, I will build my public square and the gates of hell, gates and slave, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Well, the law as it says in the you know, graduation commencement every year at Harvard Law School, the laws, the wise restraints that make men free. His laws are not burdensome. Now, they make us free to pursue the Lord. From the moral law comes civil law. But if there's no moral law, and then, then the law becomes a weapon to enslave man, i.e. Pharaoh, or the moral law given in the wilderness so that three to five million Jews who had been delivered from slavery would live together for 40 years without a police force or a standing army because they had the moral law. From the moral law comes civil law. If we're accountable to God and to each other, then the civil law that we, we decide for the welfare of the ecclesia, the, the city hall, the public square, loving our neighbors ourselves, then, then that is where we're going to decide these issues. And so we contend for our neighbors. You know, right now we're under a huge strain where, you know, our state, the federal government, the state, the county, and our local school board are saying there's over 100 genders. They're putting forward teen talks, which is the most aggressive uh, of the, you know, sexualization curriculum you can imagine. And we're contending with them because we're going to get pushed back. We're going to be called bigots. We're going to be called all kinds of names. But there's two genders. And... Uh, I want to close with this last part because I talk all day. I'm sorry. This this really really gets me. I was was at the Prager University Gala and Jordan Peterson was being interviewed by Dennis and he said, you know, Nazi Germany is, um, they reduced the history of it to Hitler and his victims. Uh, You know, five to seven million Jews incinerated and gassed. Over 50 million people dead. And he said, but that's not what it was. It was Hitler and everybody in Germany who participated in lying, which was everyone. Mm-hmm. They lied to their loved ones. They lied to their neighbors. They lied to, to their business owners. They, they lied to their co-workers. They lied and continued to lie because the truth, they were too afraid to face the consequences of that truth, that that man is a tyrant and he has dominated the entirety of, of a of a country that once was responsible for the Reformation and now is incinerating God's chosen people. It, and, and that's because everyone was more afraid of the consequences of truth, so they would, they would bow their knee to a lie and yield to it. And they were all complicit. It's tacit complicit, complicity, where you, silence in the face of evil is complicit with evil itself. You are giving license for that to continue. And, and it's a lie. So uh, when Jordan Peterson pointed that out, I thought, that's exactly what we went through in these lockdowns. Yeah. 99.7% survival rate. We knew we were getting duped. Yeah. We knew the severity of the virus. We knew the mass didn't work. We knew that it was all stupid. We knew that there was no difference between the church and Costco when it comes to a virus doing what a virus does and that they were dividing essential, non-essential. And yet, if we were to stand, we'd lose our job. If we didn't get you know, poked with an experimental RNA injection, we'd lose our employment. And we were too afraid to stand for the truth and the consequences that would come. So we bowed to a lie that has resulted in more deaths from the shot than I, I, I personally believe. I they, believe there's 40,000 recorded in VAERS, and they say that's underreported by 90%. And we shut down the swine flu vaccine for 200 deaths. Yeah. And this has had 40,000 already recorded. So This fear... You're yeah. speaking about, I, I know the consequence, uh, Eric Metaxas was, uh, we were visiting a few days ago, and we were talking about in Germany, a lot of people don't realize this, the pastors that were complicit, fearful. Yep. Um, I remember speaking in Germany, and 
having them tell me the unreal suicide rate among pastors after the war. Ooh. Living with the guilt. Wow. You know, that's the first time I have heard that statistic, or at least uh, the insight. I had never even contemplated that. Yeah. But it makes so much sense. It, and, and it was firsthand people telling me, of relatives and people they know, how high the suicide rate was among the ministers and pastors because of their compromise. And I think we're, we're moving in a season where, you know, I think Charlie said it best. We were at Dr. Dobson's event. Mm-hmm. And, and, and pastors either fall into, I think, one of three categories. They're, they're compliant, uh, which is dangerous. They're complacent or they're mm-hmm. cowards. And, you know, being compliant, um, that, that is very dangerous because you're choosing to being complacent. Maybe you're just apathetic and like, well, I don't really know what's going on. You know, let me listen to someone like Rob McCoy. He makes sense. And then there's the cowards. And Charlie said this, and I've been trying to mull it around in my brain. Tell me what you think. He said he's okay with pastors being cowards because with the right amount of encouragement, we can move them out of that. You believe that? I do. Um, yeah. One man's courage stiffens the spine of another. Uh, and, and um, you know... You lead, and, and I, I, one of my favorite TED Talks, I don't have many, but this one's one of them, is how to, how to start a movement. You can Google it. Um, TED Talk, how to, right. how to start a movement. Right. And it's one guy dancing out there crazy, and another guy joins him and gives validity to the second guy. And the second guy's more important than the first guy because right. he's giving validity to the leadership of this courageous guy. And then all of a sudden, the third comes, and then, there's, you know, and then, then it just becomes a movement. And everyone's yeah. running over to join us. It's hilarious to hear the guy describe it. But that's, that's the case, you know, yeah. when, when one stands, and I'll never forget, it was a couple of Sundays after we had defied the restraining order, and uh, second row, these beautiful people, husbands and wives, second row, I mean, just beautiful people, and they're very, very animated in the service, come on, you know, and they, right. you know, they're very um, charismatic. And I come to realize it's Jurgen Matesius and Leanna's oh, no wife way. and all of, all of the campus pastors from Awaken. No way. Who had, they had driven up from San Diego to see what it looks like to open your church. And he was so encouraging to me, even though he wasn't open. He goes, we're, we're going to open next week. And he goes back and opens his church. And, and that's all he needed was just give me an example. And then he's, he's run with it beyond anything I could have ever that's, done. That's amazing. I, I didn't know that story. Yeah. But, but, but that's how it works. And that's why I do believe examples matter. You've encouraged so many people. Um, and, and, and I can say between you and, you know, Jack... Hibs yeah. in California, that, that y'all probably the two beacon lighthouses that encourage so many pastors. Now, uh, we all have our own personalities and run in yeah. our own lanes. Yeah. Uh, and God has probably made me a little unique in some ways. Uh, and we're friends enough where you, you've lovingly told me how the cow eats the cabbage and, and watch my blind spots. Uh, you... you you one time, and I love this, I've repeated it. You, you said, Victor, you're like a nuclear power plant. You can light up a city or burn it down because yeah. of my yeah. intensity. And, and so I tend to have less patience with pastors once they know the truth, you yeah. know, because I'm like, well, come on. It's, it's like being in combat. It's like, well, the enemy's right there. Load your weapon. Put your kid on. Quit belly aching. We, we got work to do. Um, uh, but I always, I'm asking people, uh, pray for me that I'm tempered with the fruits of the Spirit. Amen. Uh, yeah. Because I, and and ever since our, our visit on that, the love of my intensity, and I've been, I've been trying to be more mindful. Um, uh, and I've had pastors contact me. And, uh, yeah. yeah, so I, I appreciate that. And then some well, pastors just got to be called out and, you know, smack. Just, just, just so, just so your viewers understand. Uh, you know, I, I forget how you described it, but um, d- d- revealing—I guess—an unguarded strength is a weakness. Yes. Um, 
But I, but I have to I have to say to to all of your 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 viewers, it, Victor's Victor wasn't, you know, ex- destroying cities. Um, he he just he he was at a place where he saw the compromise of the shepherds. Yeah. That's what you saw. Yeah. And 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 you know, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I I I just know as a minister, as a pastor of a church. There's there's three types of sins. There's secret, there's there's um, there's secret sins. There's private sins, and there's public sins. And the circle of sin is a circle of repentance. So if it's a secret sin between you and the Lord, it's a secret repentance. If it's a private sin between you, someone else, and the Lord, it's a private repentance to to the to those people. And if it's a public sin, it's a public repentance. And God takes. God allows secret sins, and if you if you don't learn your lesson in the secret sin, He moves it to a private sin, and if you don't get it then, then He moves it to a public sin, and there's a reason why there's a threshold that's higher for pastors, two or three witnesses to bring an accusation, and and because when you strike the sh- the shepherd, the sheep will scatter, e- even if he's a lousy shepherd, and and I always thought to myself because I, I remember going through a really deep sinful time, and I was looking at the Northern congregation. There. Yeah, yeah. And I was looking at the congregation and, and I said, um, Lord, if, if I'm going through this, I can't imagine what he's going through. Yes. And I'll never forget. It was, it was humbling, humiliating, and comforting all at the same time. He goes, Rob, you're the worst. And I thought, <laughs> okay. He says, and I've, and I've chosen the weak things of the world to confound the wisdom of the wise. Wow. Now, now get your act together. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I it was it was one of those moments of of pri- private secret repentance before the Lord, and if He reveals it and He lets it go, the one thing I know about the Lord, the church is His bride, and if He's appointed, God appoints all positions of authority, and and the gifts and the calling of the Lord are irrevocable. He's really good at protecting His bride, just like you are with yours and I am with yeah. mine. Yeah. Um. So. Well, and I I think that's why a lot of pastors are being exposed it, it's yeah. it's god has given them i mean i know for me i've he gave I, him a lot of rope a lot of answers. rope uh, i think the lord has let me see a lot of uh near misses yeah and carnage on the road to say that could be you keep going down this lane that could be you i'm like ooh, i better knock it off lord so i'm thankful for it and and really what i'm trying to do by sharing that story is is um is model for people the value of friends to speak into your life and whereas people know i, I you know I, I tried to be a pastor wasn't good at it because i wasn't called to it uh i'm i'm more like a sheepdog so whereas the shepherd will tend the sheep he'll send the sheepdog to nip them and you know bring them here uh, but everything we do has got to be motivated by love even this last fella that uh, wrote an article about us and Charlie, I confronted him by text and said, hey, man, let's meet. And then he didn't want to meet, didn't want to communicate. And I'm just like, you know, w- w- what a shame. But I think that where we're at, Turning Point Faith provides a very safe, challenging, encouraging place for pastors to yeah. come and be part of and um, and not kind of just fill around in the dark. I think about the pastor's conference. I've never been to a pastor's conference that was that good. And and TPSA Faith, I mean, uh, brought guys in, you know, put them and their wives up, loved on them, encouraged them, brought in tremendous speakers. And these pastors left encouraged, yeah. encouraged. So how can they find out about that? There's guys listening right now that go, yeah, well, w- where can I find out about that? Yeah, there's tpfaith.com, tpusafaith.com. There's tpusa. Um, and we're going to be doing um, another pastor summit in, I think, Franklin, Tennessee. It'll be coming nice. up shortly. Uh, Amerifest, uh, we're going to do a special event for the pastor. So if you sign up and make sure you register as a pastor for um, Amfest, America Fest, nice. and that's going to be in Phoenix. Uh, just what is it, seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth? I think next month, December. Yeah, yeah, and that that's going to be phenomenal. There'll probably be, I'd say, ten to fifteen thousand young people, co- college students, 
uh, every uh, you know major conservative speaker you can imagine. And, and, there, and there's going to be a worship night. There's going to be a service. Uh, we've got some great, great pastors coming to share. Yeah, the, um, the, the, this is an event where, you, you know, like some pastors' conferences, not all, but some can feel competitive, or you're sitting there oh. going, oh, and... Yeah, tell and, me about yeah, it. Yeah. I, I'm, the, I'm the little guy, and I'll sit at this table. for it. There's none of that feel. One of the things I love is seeing so many young people, you know, yeah. high school, college, on fire for... And it's a great harvest field because this isn't a... This is an all-Christian, but these are conservative people, and uh, that's what they I give, love. They give you a roadmap. They give you a roadmap to their heart. Yeah, that's yeah, a good... they're rowing in the streams of liberty. That's a good. That's a good way to put it. Uh, so yeah, folks, please. And if you're listening, get this information to your pastor. Just lovingly yeah. say, "Hey, I heard these two guys, Victor and Rob, check this out," and then encourage and help them get to these events. I, I would also uh, encourage your your viewers to, and listeners to. It, it doesn't matter what denomination your pastor. Oh no. no way. It, let's say he's a priest, uh, yeah. Lutheran. We had a guy backwards caller. He was there. Yeah, and and our our position, which is so cool at, at TPUSA Faith, is it, if we don't get liberty right, we're going to be discussing our theological differences in prison. And Brother, so that's the truth. When, when they all gathered, it was it was like the bar scene out of Star Wars. It was it was the <laughs> island of misfit toys. It, it was an eclectic gathering of, and yet you know every everything was represented from swinging to the chandelier evangelicals right. and dominionists to you know, hyper-Calvinists and, and all the stuff in between. And, um, and, and, they, and the people, I, I think for, for me at least, I think the most captivating speaker was Dr. James Lindsay. Yeah. So you have an atheist slash agnostic that Christian Research Network derides us for headlining an atheist at the pastor summit. And, and I remember responding to the to folks yeah. sending me a letter of complaint. I said... Do you hold the same standard for the pilot of your plane or the Thank surgeon you. that's performing your surgery? Thank you. There's nobody who knows more about critical race theory than Dr. James Lindsay. He's not purporting himself to be a Christian. Right. And he's going to be around Christians who he has great respect for. And, and he, this, is, this is your response? Yeah. Well, that's an incestuous uh, yeah. bubble that some it Christian is. organizations... Is that, and you're like, oh, man, how, how long has the inbreeding been going on here? It's, yeah. it's like people telling, <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm hearing banjos. It, you know, uh, people, we would take heat because we have Muslims on our team, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and I go, hey, I work, with, I work with a number of Muslims that I would trust far quicker than someone who's even pastors or pulpit because of his lack of courage and integrity and put in a, and, and I, I explain it to people this way. Rob, I don't know if I've ever told you, but Hassan is, he's my personal security for me and my family when we go into Iraq. And, uh, you know, it's 16 times now. I've got a team there right now uh, doing great work. Yeah. And we're embedding and training law enforcement about counter-sex trafficking in multiple cities. We're going to set up a safe house. Folks, they know we're Christians, and they're inviting us in to help the, them Amen. in their struggle. But I never forget asking Hassan early on years ago when my family came. I brought my kids there, and I said, Hassan, I know you have daughters. And if ISIS finds out that you're working with me, and he was a high, high-level trained, used to work with Delta as an Iraqi suit, I mean, this guy. And I said, I need to make sure, Hassan, that you won't turn on us if one of your kids is kidnapped. And I got real close to him, and I'm watching his eyes dilate and his neck beat. And Rob, what happened next shocked me. He's tears started coming down his eyes, and I thought, "Oh shoot!" My, you know, negative Nancy right away. I'm like, "Oh, have you turned on us already?" I'm thinking, "Oh no," because there were time. There was a time we had to hide from ISIS for a few days. But he goes, "You're my brother, and you're my big brother." I can never have another one of you. He goes, but I'm young enough to have more children. Mm. Willing to sacrifice a child for the greater good, I just went, holy smokes. Uh, and then, you know, I've taken pastors to Iraq and seen them wilt and 
And, you know, and I'm like, holy smoke. So I love what TPS, you'll say, faith does. And I, I love the citizenship course and then the yeah. academy. And this is something that there are people in your church that would love to just spearhead, be the point yeah. person. It doesn't have to be you, Pastor, but you have to use the leadership to give approval. And it's not going to turn you into, what are they What are they calling us now? Christian nationalist or something? Uh, well, I got I got the Christo-fascist, uh, but there's also Christian nationalist. Yeah, oh, well, I, I, you've I been upgraded. Yeah, okay. yeah, they had a... They had a Your co-founder, uh, you deserve an upgrade. They had a freeway overpass sign that said, Chris, <laughs> stop the Christo-fascist McCoy. I'm like, oh. <laughs> now you're just showing off, man. Well, uh, hey, how can people... Um, Kind of get plugged in and listen to some of your stuff. You got a podcast, it, sermons online. You're, you're, yeah. So we uh, real simple. RobMcCoy.us. Um, my Instagram's on that, um, and then it'll also connect you to GodSpeak.com, which is where all the sermons are. But uh, that place yeah. that I've spoken there, things yeah. happen when a person. You're coming in January. There. Coming in January. Coming back January eighth, folks. I'm sorry, I, I was going to say, because I'm taking uh, pastors with TPUSA Faith over to Israel and oh, their wives no. to train oh, them. Wow. And you're going to be filling my pulpit while, I mean, that's another one of the buffet line things that wow. you get to shop for. That's amazing. Yeah, pastors getting to Israel. No, I love that. So January 8th, I'll be at Godspeak. And then afterwards, monster truck rally in the parking lot. No. Monster, monster, yeah. monster. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> but a lot of good things happen there. God's hand is is on that fellowship and i will say this publicly i don't remember a church i've been to in many years where it was electrifying the excitement and the caliber of people there it was just like you know put a saddle on this rocket and hold on it it's yeah. it's amazing man i if i and I say this all the time, and I mean every word of it. If I wasn't the pastor of the church, I'd still attend. Oh, for sure. Speak. That's a that's a great way to put it. If I lived in the area, I would attend yeah. that church, including we got, a drive. We, got, we, got, we, we had we had a, a mother daughter show up, drove all the way from North Dakota oh, to come to church because they've been watching us online, oh. and she was sobbing. And Dr. Judy Mikovits is in my office. They oh we wanted to meet, you. and she's they're crying, and you know, and then there's others that'll show up. And there's Chuck Liddell, and that was like a childhood hero because he was right. uh, MMA or F, uh, yeah UFC yeah. guy, UFC guy, and and uh, you know just just watching people get excited about what God's doing. A lot of folks who'd never darken the doors of a church have shown up, and it's just neat to see what's taking place. So and that's where that synergy that says don't forsake yeah. the fellowship of believe yeah. you feel it. I mean, you feel the presence of God, but there's also an intellectual and a courage aspect and a teaching. It's it's a it's a beautiful thing, and I'd encourage people to follow you uh, because now you're putting snippets out on on your social medias, and they're powerful. I've told folks, uh, I tell you privately, I was like, man, I listened to you speak, and I'm like, okay, say that again. Well, never mind. I'll just record you because <laughs> I want to say that just like you did. But uh, brother, I appreciate you, your family, your bride. Um, and just for what you're doing for our nation, for the kingdom of God, I'm honored to call you friend and lock arms with yeah. you to, to do stuff. So, um, Likewise. Yeah. Hey, I asked people two questions. Yeah. Last two questions on the podcast as first-time guest, and we, it, it's fun. So All the right. first one's based on perception, although you have your leg up because we're friends and you know me, but – I ask us this, what is your perception of me and the organization that I lead and what we do? Uh, you have the, the most unique ability, and this is the best way I can describe it. Yeah. If we were to write 10 observations mm. on this water bottle uh, in, in a room of 50 people, nine of the 10 would be the same, maybe eight. You have this unique ability to, to take a topic and find an angle or a side of it that no one has ever considered. And you, the way God's given you to speak, you disarm everyone by subtle humor that 
you're giggling and your, your heart opens up and then, man, you hit them with an arrow of truth and just stick them right in the heart. And then you seal it up with another gift of laughter. And, and it's, it's called um, this gift of, of how is it, um, synesia. It's, it's, it's a rhetorical term, which means you use multiple senses of the human body to get a thought that ruminates in your mind. You're telling stories that draw people in and I'll just tell you right now, I have, I have never availed myself uh, to, to pray with somebody like I have with you. Mm. Be- because in mm. your stories, your heart is revealed and immediately your guard is down and you, you realize, I can trust this man. Mm. Um, and so that's my observation. And you say, and then the ministry, sadly... Uh, I haven't participated with you in what you do. I've seen it from a distance, and I live vicariously through your stories. Um, but I can say it's been um, validated by those who are on the field that I know to be Delta, and um, and they say, yeah, Victor's doing a really great job, and so is his team. Now, with TPUSA Faith, well, that that's easy. Uh, you're, you're, one of, you're one of the folks that make it what it is, and, and we're, we're blessed to call you part of TPUSA Faith. I mean, we, we kind of, you and Eric Metaxas, that's like the dream team. Uh, we're, yeah, we're going to win the gold medal. And thank you. I'm, I'm humbled by your words and encouraged tremendously. And uh, last question, my friend. Everybody's going to die, you know. My eschatology... Uh, 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 I don't know if you know this, but Greg Laurie discipled me in his home for a couple of years. We would meet. I'd train him, yeah. uh, and then he would. That was back in the early days. Uh, and I was the worst. I remember he said, so what do you think about this? I said, is that like the snail dinners? And he's like, you got to yeah, read this. You gotta, yeah. yeah, you got to read the subject matter. But I know this, uh, as far as the end times of the Lord, I'm getting ready to see him, and I stay ready. I heard wrinkles are God's way of saying, I'll see you soon. And I've been through, you know, when you've been shot at for your faith by ISIS or mortared many times, you just you just go, well, Lord, it, my life is in your hands. Yeah. So I'm ready to see him. I don't over-argue the point of his return because most of us are going to see him. So with that said... When you see him, or when your eyes close, when you die, what happens to Rob McCoy? But you got to back it up why you believe it. This is for maybe an atheist is watching or Christian is talking. What, what happens? We want to know what you believe. It's really simple. Mm. I'm not going to die. I'm going to begin to truly live. Ooh. We have not heard that before. It'll be what life was always intended to be. We'll leave it right there. Amen. Wow. Your loved ones, your loved ones who know the Lord, they don't die. They begin to truly live. Mm. Rest in that. That's pretty good. My producer is shaking his youthful head. Uh, that's powerful. That's a faith and a belief that no one can deny. So thank you. Thank you for that. And I, I know when I have relatives or friends uh, uh, change their address, it just makes heaven more real. Amen. Well. Uh, Victor, I love uh, you as much as a man can love another man and still be a man. <laughs> <laughs> Vice versa. Uh, appreciate you. Thank God for you. And let's continue to hurt the devil's feelings because that's what we're called to do, expose his works. And, and don't be safe. Be dangerous and wise. Thank you. Uh, I, I, when people say, be safe out there, I understand what they're saying, but I'm saying inherently, inherently what we do isn't safe. So let's yeah, just... safe, safe means free from harm or danger. It's, it's ne- you, you don't want to be free from harm or danger. You want to be in the thick of it for the sake of others. Yes. Just yes. be courageous and wise. Just uh, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Dangerous. Love it. Wise. Well, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, listen, do it for the glory of God. Full throttle. Because uh, there is such fulfillment in whatever lane God has you running in. As a mom at home, a truck driver, uh, you're on a sub. 
and you just surfaced and you caught a signal and you're listening, listen, do it for the glory of God. Be good at it. Excel. Do your best. Keep your head up. And uh, we love you and appreciate each one of you. Check yeah. out Rob McCoy. Dot US. Dot US or yeah. any of his social medias. And, and uh, we appreciate you guys subscribing wherever you're listening to us here on this podcast. God bless you. Now go get it done. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.